Welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Our debut episode is actually in three parts. You will hear from Bob Akins, NSPS Director from Ohio, Amanda Allred, former NSPS Director from New Mexico, and Thomas Brooks, NSPS Director from Alabama, as each are candidates for Vice President in the upcoming NSPS election. All three sat down and chatted with Kurt Sumner, NSPS Executive Director, about their backgrounds, and about their visions of leading NSPS into the next decade. So settle in and learn more about the candidates and how each one has a vision for the future of NSPS and the surveying profession. Uh, Welcome, everyone. We are in our second interview for the upcoming election for NSPS Vice President. Uh, today with me is Bob Akins. Bob is from Ohio. He had going to let him tell you a little bit about himself, but he's been a member of the NSPS uh, Board of Directors now for a while, and uh, he can talk about those experiences as well moving forward. And so uh, as as we're doing in these interviews for our, our upcoming election, uh, Bob and I are just going to talk about uh, his perspectives on NSPS and uh, things he's learned and things he's uh, seen as we've gone forward in his the time he's been participating and uh, and then uh, get some information from him about his why he wants to run for office and where he thinks we can go with this whole thing. So uh, welcome, Bob. Thank you. Um, I've been with NSPS as a director from Ohio for 10 years now. I've been a member of ACSM, I joined them back in the early 80s when I began my business. And uh, my background in surveying goes back to the military in uh, 1967. I enlisted in the Army and uh, became a construction surveyor. And then I spent nearly two years in Vietnam building roads and bridges in the Central Highlands. And um, then when I got out of the military, then I stayed in the private sector, became licensed in Ohio in 1976. I began this business. I've worked in the construction business for about 10 years as a superintendent for a construction company. And then I began this business uh, about 35 years ago, a private business in in Alliance, Ohio, my hometown. And uh, today I'm licensed in four states. My uh, children are in this uh, business with me. My son is a licensed surveyor. My daughter is the uh, uh, controller of the company, and we have several uh, staff, uh, support staff, inside and outside. And so, and uh, I feel very strong about NSPS. I have been a supporter of them all along. And um, I think it's a, a worthwhile endeavor to continue on and um, Watch it grow some more and help it grow some more. So, yeah, one of the things that's my goal. Yeah, one of the things, um, and you and I've known each other, I don't even know how long now, but a while. And uh, I think one of the things that has always been uh, impressive to me in my relationship with you is that how your diligence and your um, faithfulness, if that's a good word, to, to NSPS as an organization. You know, as we were going through all of the the machinations we've been through over the years, getting from the ACSM deal and being part of that, and then realizing that we should be an independent organization, 
and going from then to the point where we realized we needed more support from all the state societies to be successful. Um, as you know, that that was a an interesting process, sometimes not an easy process. Um, but I know in Ohio in particular and other places too, um, one of the things that always impressed me about you was the fact that how strong you were in in talking with your fellow state members about how important this is. And, and I, I appreciate that very much. Well, I think that one of our most important functions as a state director is to make sure that the information is passed down line to our membership. Because oftentimes there are people ask, well, what are we getting out of NSPS? And it, that tells me that somebody down line isn't doing their job properly and getting the information done. We have so much going on at NSPS. And when I come back from the meetings, it's uh, I spend several days putting a report together for our state. And some people think that it might be uh, overkill, but I think it's very important to get all that information down there. There's individuals down down line of our membership that are they want to know about CST. They want to know about Trigstar. They not just the um, uh, government affairs issues, which is I think that's worth all the membership money in, in, in and of itself. But uh, yeah, it's getting the information downstream is a very, very important part of our process. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I had to chuckle to myself a little bit when you were talking about giving uh, comprehensive reports. Uh, when I was a governor back in my days representing Virginia, uh, at each one of our meetings, it was almost like, oh, God, Kurt's getting up again. He's going to be talking forever. <laughs> so you may have experienced that's what I get. That's what I get at our state meetings. Oh my goodness, Aikens is going to talk again. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, I I applaud you for for remaining diligent in that though, because sometimes people would maybe get intimidated by that and say, okay, well I'll scale back. But but you're so right. It is important that people know what we're doing and uh, uh, and also how they can participate in that. Oftentimes, I think members don't think there's a role for them, but there always is. If they're, if they're well, you talked about um, the the transition, the metamorphosis of our, of our uh, society from ACSM to NSPS. And I kind of stepped right in the middle of that hailstorm when, uh, when I first started coming here 10 years ago. And uh, it was, rather challenging and uh, there was a lot of heated arguments well discussions not arguments but a lot of heated discussions and uh but that's the that's the the true thing that i enjoy so much about nsps is that you're working with pretty much the cream of the crop in the survey and industry from all over the country and there's a lot of good ideas in there and there's a lot of good conversation the, the pros and the cons of all these issues always get discussed thoroughly. And and I think that uh, we're very good at coming up with a, a solution to whatever the issue may be. Yeah, I agree. And and we're, I think, at a critical time, really, as an organization where people in my age, our age group, you and I are pretty close together in age. And, um, you know, we've been around a long time. And, and a lot of the people that are on our board now fall into that same category age-wise and participation-wise. And and I think we have a real challenge going ahead, and I'm I'm curious about your thoughts on it, in terms of the next tier of leaders, and you know the from that younger generation, and of course we have the Young Surveyors Network and all that. 
but it's it, I, I think we I don't know if challenge is the right word there, but certainly we need to be able to think about it. I think I hear a train. Yes, we have a train across uh, <laughs> right across the street there. It comes through here quite often. Yeah, but that's uh, fine. But to I, answer, go ahead. No, I, you heard, I think you heard what I was saying, though. Okay. Yes, I think it is a challenge. I think it's probably the greatest challenge that we have right now is because the decline of our membership because of the age of our members. And as we proceed on, and I don't know exactly what the, the rate of decline is, I think it's three to 5% somewhere in there, maybe a little bit more. But in 10 years from now, where are we gonna be? And how many members are we gonna have? Right. I think that our membership committee is, is on the right track as far as uh, talking about the uh, subordinate persons in our surveying industry, the technicians. And I think that's where we have to go to train other individuals to step, step into the leadership roles into the surveying industry. Uh, not everybody is, uh, wants to go for a four-year degree. And there's a lot of very, very qualified individuals down there that are coming up through the ranks. I've had several of them work for me over the years, and there's been several that have gotten licensed under my uh, tutorage. But it's, um, I think that we're going to have a real challenge ahead of us, and we have to be prepared for this and respond to this. In a, we have to react, or not react, but act because of the fact that our industry could be in, in great peril in the fact that if our numbers decline sufficiently enough, then we're going to have a problem with other professions, industries coming in and trying to take over some of our, our work. And, and I think that would be detrimental not only to the, our industry, but to the public welfare as well. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I think one of the challenges that, that I think our, our coming leadership as well as our current leadership will will try to figure out is how do we get more uh, collective participation amongst the people who are now in leadership and and even in membership in our state organizations because obviously they're also NSPS members um, so I I, th I think it's going to take a big effort on behalf of NSPS to uh, I don't know what the right word is, instigate maybe. I don't know if that's the right word, but get more participation because that's one of the things that's been a challenge and a, and a disappointment for me actually is we got really dedicated people who are involved. There just aren't enough of them. I agree. And, and that, that is uh, a problem at all levels of our industry. Uh, here in the state, uh, getting people to be representatives from the different chapters from around the state to attend the XCOM meetings. Uh, yeah, it's inconvenient to drive two or three hours to Columbus and have a meeting on Friday night, but it takes that individual uh, from that chapter to, he's the key to really the key to our membership. I can take this information back to that exec executive committee meeting and pass it down if that person there doesn't take it down to his chapter, then there's a whole lot of members that aren't getting service properly. But this is this is um, an issue that we're facing in our industry, 
but it's pretty much in in a lot of the areas the service clubs in uh in our uh city here they're suffering membership loss uh the veterans organizations it's just that it seems that the the older generation that participated more is is uh, is declining so yes it's a, it's a critical factor at all levels even our chapter levels to get you have 60 members and 10 or 12 show up but you need to encourage the other ones with a little bit of uh, thinking out of the box and have different events and so forth to get them in there and get them involved right and i, I think uh, interested in your thoughts on this as well but with the younger generation really communicating so much differently than people in our age group have learned through our <laughs> lives. Um, hopefully um, there'll be mechanisms where we can do things like you and I are doing right now with a lot more people so that maybe some of that travel doesn't have to occur. I agree. I think, uh, you know, I come into the 21st century so kind of like kicking and screaming because uh, when you get older, you don't want to see as much change. But uh, I've always tried to think of myself as a forward thinker and open to new ideas. And um, this this form of communication in the social media and so forth, I just I, I have a problem adapting to it. And the fact that people seem to think they have to be on their cell phone or on their uh, tap here or whatever they they think they should have to be on there 24 7 and um i just have a little bit of an issue with that but that's the way the the younger generation is communicating today yeah and of course they're our future obviously <laughs> so um that that's for sure what what are your thoughts on having now been a lot of years as part of our leadership through governor and director and and the things that you've been doing and, and your participation um I, what what are your thoughts on that whole structure of how how we're doing things um well somebody better answer the phone around here <laughs> might be a new job <laughs> yeah might get a job out of it um i've never i like this format you and I sitting here, I'm able to see you. Uh, I'm not a big fan of conference calls because you can't look at the other person. And and I think there's so much to be gained by looking at a person when they're talking to you or presenting an idea. You can read a lot of emotion or you can read um, a lot of thought in a person's face where a phone conversation, a conference call, uh, doesn't allow you that opportunity. I understand that, you know, the way things are is is uh, the way the XCOM has been working for the past few years, and I was part of that for four years. And I think, uh, yeah, you get things done, but you can't look at each other, and uh, you don't know when one person is going to stop talking to another, and you get a lot of overlap of conversation and so forth. So. Right. But and I like this format with you and I. As a matter of fact, that now that you mentioned that, one of the things that I've learned, because I'm new at this as well, uh, as I'm looking at my screen here, there's a thing, a thing on the little box over here that says, in this meeting, there are two of 151 people who could be on this call today. <laughs> so uh, I suspect if, if we were all on here, our screen would be full of faces, 
but but that would that might be okay too. So hey, maybe it's not a bad idea, particularly uh, uh, to begin with. Maybe your idea about XCOM meetings could be just like this. That that makes a lot of sense. I think that'd be important. I, I think I think that would would work out very very well. Yeah, well, I've, and that should be that should be doable, right? Because we're just using our computer, so it it should be absolutely. Fine. And I, but that know, would mean I wouldn't be allowed. I wouldn't have time to eat my lunch while I'm on a <laughs> on a conference call. Then with you. <laughs> well, that would be okay. With you, just have to say, "Hey, I'm eating. Take, leave me out of the conversation for a while." I don't know. So, <laughs> I in your thought process, and again, based on your experience. Um, do you see things? I mean, we do so many things. I know you've been really active in the government affairs issues and been supportive of our Capitol Hill Day and all those kind of things. And just in your observations, is there any stuff that really point, you know, stands out in your mind that, hey, we, re we need to fix this? Well, I think that uh, a lot of there's been a lot of discussion and there always is at committee meetings. Uh, one thing I did appreciate this, and, and I wrote the, that article, um, a director's view, when I came back from our last meeting, there's, there's a lot of dialogue going on in our committees, and it's good, positive dialogue. They're talking different ideas, and how can we improve this, and how can we improve that? And with all the different areas that we have, communication, uh, the membership roles, uh, all these different issues and, and committees, um, I think I think it's getting done. I really do. I think uh, that the group is, uh, as a whole, is solving a lot of the problems and and are working on the ones that are we're reaching for now. Um, you talk about Hill Day and the government affairs. I think that's probably the most important issue that we deal with uh, at NSPS in the fact that. We're talking to national leaders. We're talking about national legislation. We're talking about people that are movers and shakers all over this country. And when I go up there, um, when I first started doing it 10 years ago, I was kind of intimidated by the, the, the structure of it all and the grandeur, I guess. Um, but they're just like, those people are just like you or I. And they need to hear what we're, we have to say to them, and and some of the states uh, haven't participated much, and I encourage them to all the states to get involved and go talk to these people, their senators and congressmen. Uh, so it, that's how we're going to get our message out, and that's one of the issues uh, with this railroad legislation that I was uh, that I authored. I think that uh, we have to sell that to everybody. We have to form a, a, an alliance with other uh, industries that would benefit from it also, like the, the, the Farmers Bureau. That uh, it, it affects them. It affects them and all adjacent owners to those railroads. So it's important that we get that message out to our legislative people. Yeah, I agree. As a matter of fact, for, for, for the people who are going to be listening to this interview, uh, maybe you could just spend a couple of minutes talking about that legislation and what we're trying to accomplish. Well, the legislation is designed so that when a railroad uh, line is abandoned, 
that there would be some sort of documentation as to the location of those rails. As, as it stands right now, if, I'm get, if I get a call uh, from an owner and he's adjacent to a, a rail line, if those rails are there, at least I have a chance, I have something to start with as far as locating the limits of the railroad occupied lands. It's not uh, just right away and it's not an issue about, well, is it uh, owned or is it fee title, is it easement? That's not the issue at all in this, in this matter. It's the location of the lands occupied by the railroad. And if I go out there today and I have a vow map and those tracks, I have a pretty good start on locating that, that line, that, that, that occupied boundary. Um, if that line is removed in its entirety, which is often the case, the, you have nothing to start from. Maybe some culverts or a bridge here or there or something. Uh, but in some instances, the entire right-of-way is obliterated. I did a, a piece of farmland and there was about a mile of the whole line that was just completely gone. The farmer had plowed it up, uh, dozed the, the uh, railroad bed out and graded it off and planted it. There was nothing left. And it was a long, tedious process trying to reestablish that. What we're trying to establish is before you abandon that line, document the location of that rail, not the, actually the center line of the right of way or anything of that nature because we can usually determine that from the rail location. But if we have, I'm not asking for anything more than we have today. We have today that physical location in the rail system itself. Once that's gone, I'm asking that to be preserved in some format of uh, some coordinate information and some references or something of that nature. So um, I think it's critical. It, it's very expensive to reestablish these uh, rail-occupied uh, lands once everything is gone and, and the, the burden of the cost falls on to the adjacent owner. So it's yep. a problem. Yeah, I, I, that's certainly near and dear to my heart because uh, before I ever took this job, back when I was in uh, either probably still a governor at the time, um, we started trying to have these same kind conversations with the legislators and with the railroad people and uh, of course at that time there wasn't a lot of the advantages we have now in terms of how simple it really is to get that position um, and uh, so we, we lost all those arguments but it doesn't change the fact that it is important and so I, that that's just one example of course of of our government affairs program and why it's so important and uh, we we hope that we'll find more and more people who want to participate in that, whether or not they're on our board, or, you know, just as as members and, and getting that information back to them is is so important, I think. Well, I, I in Ohio, we have, I think, 22 or 23 uh, offices, two senators and then the rest are uh, representatives. And I make it a point when I go to Capitol Hill is to schedule my. I have a few meetings, maybe four or five meetings with the actual uh, representatives' offices, but I also go to every one of the other offices and at least drop off a packet of information uh, that's prepared for us by our uh, consultant, John Pelletello's office. And at least you're getting something in front of them, each one of them, and I think that's important. 
It's not just the, the few that you get meetings with. It's important to stop by and say hello. Leave your card. Get maybe uh, meet a friend or something. And and uh, I always wear one of my Ohio State ties, and and that that's a good door opener. I recommend <laughs> that to to all of the the state reps that go up there because they see that tie, and and it it grabs their attention right away. Here's a Buckeye. Yeah, un- <laughs> unfortunately for some of us who have uh, two fairly. Uh, big schools we have to figure out which side of that spectrum each, each we have to carry two ties with us <laughs> when we well, go get the clip on ties then you can change them with every one of office you're going into yeah that's true uh it's crazy how fast the time goes uh we're about 25 minutes in but um is there anything in particular you'd like to leave with with our voters uh in just to say this is this is what I'm thinking, and this is why I would be a good leader for you. Well, I've always considered myself. Uh, originally, when uh, I was younger, it wasn't so much I wanted to be a leader. It was I was kind of put in that leadership position, and as time went by, I kind of accepted the the pretext that okay, people see something in me, and and that's not from a bragging point. I I have in how I do things, and uh, I, I've accepted it that I'm, I, I can lead people, and I want to lead people. That's more important. I developed the, the attitude that I want to lead. I want to be up in front. I want to uh, help this organization or any organization that I belong to, uh, to advance to a higher level. Uh, what I've seen in our leadership in the past several years at NSPS has been very good. We've had some fine officers, and I want to be part of that. I want to continue that process. I want to see us go into the this uh, 2022 adjustment that our industry is prepared for that so that we can solve the problems with uh, for like the municipalities and, and the contractors and so forth. They're going to ask us a lot of questions when this takes place. And then um, with the FIG um, meeting in 2023, that's going to be important exposure for our organization. And I want to be part of all that. I think I can be an asset and I can help with the the, uh, transition. And like I say, the the biggest problem we face in my eyes is this declining membership role. And it's going to affect not only our numbers, but our finances also. Absolutely. Yeah, because... Yeah. I, I think probably everybody listening to this knows that a big part of our revenue comes from from membership dues because we don't have a ton of other revenue streams. So you're you're so right about that for sure. No doubt. Yes. Uh, I remember when I first started and Malcolm Shaw from New York was uh, uh, floating this idea, not floating, but pushing this idea of 100 percent membership. And and several of us, uh, myself included, I thought, how are we going to do that? But through his diligence and perseverance, uh, it came to fruition. And and I sit back now and I think, see, he had a vision. And if you have a vision, you know where the end goal is, where the goal line is, and that helps you trace the path to get there. And that's important. Right. Well, I think that's a really good statement for us to end our, our conversation. I really appreciate you being with me today, Bob, and, and uh, taking time out of your day and Certainly appreciate your willingness to to serve because NSPS needs good, strong leaders. So thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. You too. Talk to you soon.
You've been listening to Surveyor Says and the interview with Bob Akins, candidate for vice president in the upcoming NSPS election. For additional information on each candidate, please visit nsps.us.com for more details. Electronic ballots will be sent for voting starting on December 1st and will go through late December. We appreciate you listening to our debut episode and suggest listening to all three candidates to help with your decision in voting in the upcoming election. Stay tuned for more great guests and fascinating topics on Surveyor Says, and look for future announcements on the NSPS website and all social medias, including LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. <laughs>